This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. There are so many choices when it comes to selecting the right financial institution. Start with the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. We're right here in your city. We're also the official credit union of Temple University, and anyone who lives, works, worships, and studies in Philadelphia can open an account with convenient locations throughout our city of brotherly love. Also online at pfcu.com with free online and mobile banking. We're not here for our profit, here for yours. Federally insured by NCUA. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. An Odyssey station. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. This is Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. It's good news in real estate. If you're a homeowner, if you're selling a home, or perhaps purchasing a home or vacation property, welcome to our home. It's good news in real estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Your hosts for the next radio hour, the mortgage mom, Deanne Kitsaris, along with real estate veteran and owner-operator of the Philadelphia Real Estate Class. Mark Cumberland. Your real estate education starts right now. It's good news in real estate. Presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. All right. Good afternoon. Get ready to laugh and learn here on Good News in Real Estate on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm Mark Cumberland, along with my co-host, the mortgage mom, Deanne Katzaris. How are you, Deanne? I'm doing fabulous today, Mark. How are you? I am very, very good. So we're excited to be here every Saturday at 1 o'clock to talk to you all on Talk Radio 1210 about real estate. If you have any questions about commercial, residential, mortgages, give us a call. My number is 267-266-5501. What's your number, Dean? My number is 609-605-7153. We're up to 870 shows. That's, That's insane. All. That's awesome. And we're here every week to keep you informed, help you in any way we can. You can listen to this show and past shows at our website, goodnewsandrealestate.com, and also at WPHT's website. So what's coming up today, Deanne? Coming up on today's show, Mark, we have the market report. Yes. We have our business tips with Asking Dr. A. Yep. We also have Mark's funny story. Yeah, I got a strange one for you today. (laughs) And we also have our mortgage mom topic. Which is what? FHA flipping rule explained. Ooh, that's a good one. I ran into it this week, so I definitely want to go over it um, and make sure everybody understands. I haven't done a flip for a while. We need to do some flips. Okay. I can do a backflip for you on it. Yeah, it ain't making me no money. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. <laughs> it's according to where you're flipping at, I guess. <laughs> All right. Back to All our right. questions. All right. How do I prepare my home before I sell it? All right. Next question is, when is the best time to sell my home, spring or fall? When's the best time to buy, Mark? Yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> when is my home's assessed value different than the market value? That's a good one. And the next question is, paying 6% to sell a home required? Yeah, a lot of people think that. We'll explain that one. And Mark, we have our topic of the day, which is lessons learned from lockdown, black swans, gray swans, and real estate. Yeah, this was interesting. So I figured I'd make this the topic. Okay. But first, give us your motivational quote. And the motivational quote is, don't let yesterday take up too much of today. It's like the old windshield and the rear view mirror. We're not going that way. Right. So, uh, 
basically that's it. So where are we at? So we are up to the market report. And there is the bell. So the effects of this pandemic have changed every industry. Many are suffering from suffering from it. Others are booming. But all had the pivot in some way to manage the supply chains, workers, economic stressors, low interest rates, and housing shortages as many areas of the United States have catalyzed the real estate surge. Last spring, housing market fell sharply when the virus and named was first named and the lockdowns began. But then it picked up pretty quick and the, the COVID lull was short-lived. However, as home building markets continued to grow by the end of 2020, resale homes in the United States were exchanging at their highest level since 2006. I keep telling people more houses were sold in 2020 than 2019 and they don't believe me. I'm telling you, it, it was a booming year. It was a the booming current, year. It was. And the current demand for new houses, specifically in rural areas, coupled with the well-documented lumber shortage, has resulted in build prices that have potentially slowed some trends. The spike in lumber prices alone, it's the number's up from what we've been saying. Now it's up to $36,000 build cost to the average new single home. Before we were saying twenty-five grand, now it's up to thirty-six. Costs for other building materials that people don't think about, including cement, have also elevated, and leading to potential with the price increase, and, and some putting out about buyers out of the market completely. But why is there a lumber shortage? Major major lumber mills cut back produ production during the pandemic due to concerns that the economy would worsen. So they were worried that there was going to be this down slope that didn't take place. And they were trying to protect their workers in the factories due to the virus. So they didn't produce as much. See, that's why I like the stock market. You know, like when people say something like, uh, what's his name with the cars? Uh, I'm blanking on his name. Anyway. They're, like some important person says Elon something. Musk? Yeah, Musk or Buffett. You know, just some kind of statement can impact the the stock market. And the sure. same thing kind of happened here with real estate because they thought there was going to be this big lull, so they stopped producing lumber. I didn't know that. Instead, I thought it was from something that happened to do with Canada. Yeah, but uh, the they stopped producing as much because they thought it was going to slow down. So anyway, since the decrease in demand, however, there was an uptick, uptick in home improvement projects during the lockdown. In addition, new construction was able to continue at near pre-pandemic levels. And since the construction industry in many states were seen as essential work, the chief economist and National Association of Home Builders in February that about 81,000 new homes across America were experiencing a delay in construction due to rising costs of materials because people were holding off to wait for lumber costs to come down. This is actually happening at my lake. There's a bunch of people that are building docks and some of them are holding off as the price of lumber, to waiting for the lumber to come back to reality. Lumber is, of course, the chief building material used in framing new homes. Currently, 250% annual increase in the cost of lumber is a huge concern. That's the problem. That's 250 why. 250%. Yeah, that's why a 2x4 used to be like 250 and now it's like 18 bucks. 
It's ridiculous. I was thinking about doing some stuff to my dock, but I'm going to wait. You know, I'm not paying uh, $17 for a 2x4 or $80 for a sheet of plywood. You know? So this lumber shortage is part of a litany of insufficiencies in today's market. The price of building materials, as well as many other resources, are constant fluctuation. That's the same with my like the car industry. Like I ordered a truck, I got a letter. Yeah, it's ordered. <laughs> Maybe by September. Right, exactly. You know, I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of vehicles and other kind of computer equipment around the country because we're dependent on Taiwan's chips. Right. Now this is a lesson learned, man. They better start making that stuff here because. What they got to do is like, you know, stop sending them and we got a problem. So anyway, many government entities that oversee building projects and work to issue permits are also experiencing staff shortages, leading to further obstruction, especially like Philly. Like if you want to buy a house in Philly with the red tape, you know, it's going to take you like a year or so. Yeah, we talked about that approvals. last week. That was it's, crazy. Uh, it's ongoing, but it's happening across the country. Will people buy at higher prices? Historically low interest rates are continuing to drive the purchase of homes, even with the higher costs. The Federal Reserve is expected to keep the interest rates low. For the majority of home buyers, especially the 91 million millennials who are just ending entering the market, the cost per month, you know, it's going to be made up with the low interest rates. So... Anyway, this pandemic has changed so many facets concerning the way we live, from people looking for more space, more home offices, all that stuff, to remote learning, to the lumber shortages and all that, it's going to continue to impact us. But all in all, the market's great. Like, well, I just opened uh, my first live classes in, in Philadelphia real estate classes this week. Now, people are back in the classroom. It's weird. I had the place all painted and freshed up. Freshened Did you? Up. But it's like if you walk in and you feel like you're starting from scratch. Yeah. Even though I'm a rural approved and, and we teach statewide live streaming with a live instructor. So it's the same course. It's impacting my short script. I have to explain that now. <laughs> but, but they think, well, is it different if I'm there in the classroom or if I'm on- online? No. It's a live teacher. You need a live teacher. So anyway, anyway, the market report, it's all good news. So tell us about the rates. Speaking of more good news, did you know that it is still not too late to refinance? I told somebody, in fact, I just told Frank <laughs> to send you his mortgage statement. He's at 3-7. It's time to do it, Frank. It's time to do it, Frank. <laughs> all right. So speaking of time to do it, 30-year fixed. 2.875. We've been as low as 2.75 this week. So again, it depends on credit score. Your 15-year fix is 2.625. Your 30-year FHA is 2.875. And again, not even going to get into our arms mark because that's pointless. Um, yes. A lot of people are asking me, which I think I might do with the topic um, next week based on this, because everybody wants to get into a 15-year fixed rate. And, I mean, my opinion is get the 30-year, make the 15-year payment. We don't know what's going to happen five years from now. I mean, there's no, the bank is always going to take your money. Right. So get the 30-year, 
you can always make the, the extra payment. Even if you just go to the bi-weekly, half on the first of the month, half on the 15th of the month, it's taking that 30 year down to 24 and a half right. months. You hear that, Frank? She'll lock you in for you. She'll give you two, two. I got such a deal for you, Frank. <laughs> All right. So with that, you're listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. All positive all the time. We'll be right back. On behalf of the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union, we hope you're enjoying Good News in Real Estate with Deanne Katsaris and Mark Cumberland. The Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. Deanne and Mark will have more after the break and this message from Debt-Free Living. Learn more at wehatedebt.com. Hi, welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT All Positive all the time. So where are we at, Deanne? Mark, we are up to our funny story. I got an interesting for you one today. So this father's passing by his son's bedrooms, and he looks in and he's astonished to see the bed nicely made, everything picked up. And then he saw an envelope propped up prominently on the pillow, and it was dressed dad. With his worst premonition, he opens the envelope and he reads the letter with like trembling hands. The letter says, Dear Dad, it is with great regret and sorrow that I'm writing to you I eloped with my new girlfriend because I want to avoid a scene with mom and you. I'm, I'm finding passion with Stacy. She's so nice, but I knew you would not approve because of her piercings, her tattoos, her tight motorcycle clothes, and because she's so much older than me. But it's not only that, passion, Dad. She's pregnant, and Stacy said that we'll be happy. She owns her own trailer in the woods. We have a stack of firewood for the whole winter. She dreams of having many more children. Stacy has opened my eyes to the fact that marijuana doesn't really hurt anyone. So we'll be growing it ourselves and trading it for other people in the commune for all the cocaine and ecstasy we can get. And in the meantime, we'll pray that science comes up with a cure for AIDS so Stacy can get better. And she sure deserves it. Don't worry, Dad. I'm 15. I know how to take care of myself. And someday, I'll be sure we'll be back to visit so you can know all your grandchildren. Love your son, Joshua. P.S. Dad, none of the above is true. I'm over at Jason's house. I just remind you that there, there are worse things in life than a bad report card that's on the kitchen table. Call me when it's safe to come home. <laughs> that was good. I couldn't resist that one. That was cute. If you have a funny story you'd like to hear, send it to 8029 at comcast.net or give us a call at 267-266-5501. And now it is time for the Mortgage Mom segment with the Ann Kat Cyrus, the Mortgage Mom from Green Tree Mortgage. And her topic is FHA rule flipping explained. Yeah, okay. Nah, it took. You were on a roll for what, five weeks maybe? Why, I got that one wrong? You did, but it's okay. Right, well, what is it? Explaining the FHA flip rule. All right. And I'm this this happened. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> but I'm it's curious my, about this. Tell me about this. Are you curious? Well, yes. we recently, so this has been around for a while, and it and it hasn't come up in a while, and we usually don't find out about it until somebody's under contract, and we go into the MLS and we find out, you know when the house has been sold. So basically, as a buyer, you have to be concerned about flip about flipped properties. Right. You probably don't think about it as the buyer, and all you know is that the seller has a property, you want it, you bid on it, and you go under contract. 
But FHA lenders have to follow FHA rules. And the FHA 90-day flip rule... Here we go. ...prevents FHA borrowers from buying a home that the seller owned for less than 90 days. Yeah, I never get invited to that meeting. <laughs> Let's start with the with the 90-day rule because it's fairly simple to understand. The FHA lender hires an FHA appraiser to go out and appraise the house. Right. The appraiser looks at the last 3 years of ownership. If the last recorded deed is less than 90 days from the new purchase contract date, the FHA lender must actually deny the loan. I know. As the buyer, you must wait until the seller owns the home for at least 91 days. So the same home you can purchase, but you just have to wait 91 days. At that point, you can sign the purchase contract and pursue your FHA financing. But of course, there are restrictions. You wouldn't think. Buying a home between 91 days and 181 days, still using the date that the deed was recorded, the FHA has further rules you must follow. If the seller bought the home within 91 to 180 days, you must determine if the following pertain to the property. You got your pen? You ready? I'm ready for the rules. Is the purchase price 100% or more higher than what the seller paid. And do you have a higher priced loan at the home sale price if it's 20% or more than the seller's purchase price? So if you've answered yes to these questions, you need to get a second appraisal. So it's not that difficult. The good news is you don't have to pay for it. Generally, the seller will pay for that second appraisal. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll help me out with the 400 bucks, but they'll whack into my profits. So... <laughs> If now, if you have two appraisals, and one comes in at two hundred and fifty thousand, and one comes in at two twenty, guess which one they're using? Two twenty. Correct. Because you're from the government. They're here to help. <laughs> All right. Listen. This is this gets better. Let's let's oh, give the audience an it's example. Really good already, guys. <laughs> so if the seller bought the home for a hundred and fifty thousand, right, and now he wants to sell it to me for three hundred thousand, right. The seller is making 100% profit, right? Right. The FHA will require a second appraisal to ensure that the home is actually worth 300000 and there's no fraudulent activity taking place in order to get this sales price. All right. The FHA lender can also request a second appraisal if the seller owned the home for ninety one to three hundred and sixty five, and the resale price is greater than 5% or more than the home's lowest sale price in that year. But, Mark, the good news is, if you're going with conventional financing, none of this applies. That's right. None of this applies. Now, in my example where I said the seller bought... The seller bought the house for one hundred and fifty thousand, and he's selling it for three hundred thousand. That's a hundred percent markup. But if right. he were to sell it to me for two hundred and ninety-five thousand, and I sign the contract on the ninety-first day, we don't have anything to worry about getting a second appraisal because yeah, it doesn't apply. He doesn't apply. get that extra money. Five thousand. What? We're talking yeah, about a five thousand dollar difference. 
He's, he, bought, he bought it for one fifty, and he's he selling to, it for three three something. Three hundred. That's a hundred percent markup. Oh, I if he sells it to me, even if he sells it to me for two hundred and ninety-eight thousand, I still don't need a second appraisal because I'm not hitting the hundred percent mark. Right, but if he sells it for you if they're three and a quarter, he can't. then I'm getting two appraisals. Right, and we're going to use the lower of the two. Now, with every rule, there's always exceptions. So FHA doesn't consider every flip a bad idea. They do allow certain exceptions to the rule, including homes acquired by an employer or a relocation company, right? The flipping rule doesn't matter if it's an FHA buyer. If you've inherited the property, doesn't apply. Homes sold by nonprofit agencies or homes that are sold by the government. Imagine that. So the good news is that all other loan programs, as I mentioned, conventional, USDA, VA loans, they do not have flipping rules. So you can buy a home as soon as you want without worrying about any type of seasoning requirements. Did it give you any brick on uh, down money or anything? Well, you mean on the FHA? Yeah. No. (laughs) No. But most of the time when you do a flip, it's going to take somebody 90 days to get to the point where they're ready to sell it anyway. By the time they get all the permits and... I bought one downtown and I had it for 30 days. I didn't have to and, do almost anything to it and I made and, 100 grand. And did you sell it to an FHA buyer? No. Ah, there you go. I avoid right. government. I avoid government at all costs. Coming up next is going to be our question and answer segment. All right, very good. So with that, you're listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210, all positive all the time. We'll be right back. Deanne and Mark are halfway through this week's edition of Good News in Real Estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. When the show returns, more real estate news from around the Delaware Valley. Welcome back to Good News and Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, all positive all the time. Where are we at, Dan? So, Mark, we are up to our question and answer segment. So, what's the first one? The first question is, how do I prepare my home before I sell it? We had one of these last week. Remember the guy with the nude paintings? Yeah. You know, yeah. I've come up with an easier solution. You ready? What is I'm ready. Just put a for sale sign out front, call today. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. That'd be about it. But in actuality, you know, straighten up, declutter, you know. A lot of people don't notice that. Like, uh, I sold a house one time. The guy had a grand piano, and it was a he had a pile of mail, all kinds of stuff. And he just walked by it every day. He was so used to seeing it, then he, you know, pop out at him as soon as I walked in. I was like, you got to get rid of all that stuff. And he went, what stuff? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you want to make the house look like it's, you know. It's going to be there. So take down all your pictures. Fix the stuff that sticks out. You know, if you really want to be safe, you could get a home inspection. But by in this market, you're not going to have to do too much. But I would touch up things. And if you take the pictures down, don't leave the holes in the walls. But And then talk. To, get a good agent. And let them come in with an objective eye. Take a tour of the joint. And they'll pick out stuff that they think you should do. That's what I right. do. That's my best advice. What's next? All right. Question number two. When is the best time to sell my home? In the spring or in the fall? See, this is this is almost like the 20% myth. 
there's still this myth out there that the best time, the spring market, you know when the spring market actually starts? February. January January. 1st. January 1st starts the spring market. There is no fall and spring market anymore. It's 12 months. Like, I, I used to be busiest, like, right during the holidays, during Christmas and New Year's. I mean, it, it just doesn't slow down anymore. People that want to move, they got to move, you know. And, and those buyers during holidays, between Christmas and New Year's, they're, like, desperate. They need to make a move. So, they're some of the best buyers. And they don't, like, they don't mind coming in to see the household decorator or whatever. Right. But... In reality, there's not much of a, a layoff anymore. In the old days, the old realtors that have been around for a long time, <clears throat> once Halloween happened, they kind of like took a break. That is over. <laughs> if you're lead generating correctly, you're busy all year long. But, you know. So what's the next one? The next question is, why is my home's assessed value different than the market value? You had this one last week, too, didn't we? No, something about should I challenge my assessment. Oh. But, like, I remember when Philly, before AVI, when, when we wanted to market a, a value in Philadelphia, we had millage. Remember that? Millage? Yes. <laughs> that was so bizarre. Nobody could figure that out. Like, your house was worth 250000 and then you looked on the, the public the records, tax, and it said right. 12500 Right. Because it was millage, which nobody understood what millage is. But what the township or what the city thinks your house is worth could be a lot different than what the market value is. Absolutely. You know, so, like, you know, when, if you're doing a, a refi with you and the city says the house is worth 250 but the actual market value, value is 350 that's a big difference. Now, if you're in a, another weird situation where you want that lower price for whatever reason, Mr. Devlin, <laughs> then you might want to take that city's value. <laughs> but that, but that's the reason. It, you know, And then sometimes when they reassess, they get it wrong. And they have your house being worth more than it is, and that makes your taxes higher. Yes, and that's it what we does. talked about last week. And then you, what you should do is challenge that and appeal it and get your taxes lowered. All right, what's the next one? The next question is, is paying 6% to sell a home required? No. Like, you're not allowed to price fix, and that's what that is, price fixing. Years and years ago, brokers used to do things like this, and they used to try to convince everybody that everybody charged six percent which is unethical i remember a story when i first got in the, in the business there was everybody was charging six percent and this one broker charged seven percent and and then everybody got upset about him and then another guy started charging five percent and they were upset at him too because they were all rocking the apple cart right but you're not allowed to price fix at a certain percentage it's all negotiable. But in reality, you get what you pay for. And if you hire a really good agent, you will net more. You might pay 6% because that agent is worth their money. Because a lot of buyers and sellers think agents are worth zero per hour. 
because they get paid at the end. Right. But I'm worth $225 an hour. So I'm not wasting my time. And if somebody says to me, I'm only paying you 4%, well, I said, it was nice meeting you. And if you have any questions, give me a call. But, like, I'm sorry. I'm not working for that. Now, if it's a $2 million house, I'm probably not going to get 6%. You got to be reasonable. But 4% of $2 million is what? 4% of $2 million is 80000 Yeah, that's a nice commission. All day so, long. So, you know, the whole point of that conversation was you can't, it's not price fixed. You're not allowed to say it's always 6%. What's the next one? The next question is, do discount agents provide the same service as more expensive agents? Probably not. Now, you see all these new advertisements on TV about, you know, we, and, you know, and they have some actors saying that everything went great. It was unbelievable. (laughs) (laughs) And then they find out, you know, the discount agent, yeah, they might have helped write the contract and now you can't get all of them. Right. But you're going to get what you pay for. So, you know, if you're to hire a top dog like our friend Mike McCann, you're going to pay Mike McCann rates. But Mike McCann's also going to get you the highest price and net you the highest price, which is the most important part. Right. The net. What's the last one? All right. The last question is, Mark, do I know if I'm spending too much on renovations before I sell? That's a good question. It is a good question. And a lot of people make this mistake. Like they think in their head, maybe we should redo this kitchen or maybe this bathroom and and maybe they spend 15 20 grand on something that some buyer comes in and goes ooh <laughs> so i think what you do when in these situations you hire a really good agent have them go through the house cuz maybe you're not planning to sell for 6 months or a year and i've seen people spend tons of money and think they're going to recoup that and they don't they need to seek seek the advice of their realtor of an experienced realtor so that they can guide them on what's going to give them the most bang for their buck that's right yeah hire professionals you know dentistry by owner doesn't usually work (laughs) exactly (laughs) so what's coming up next all right coming up next is our topic of the day lessons learned from lockdown black swans gray swans and real estate yeah, this is interesting. So with that, you're listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. All positive all the time. We'll be right back. Good News in Real Estate with Deanne Katsaris and Mark Cumberland is proudly being provided by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. Deanne and Mark will have more in a moment, but first, a message from one of our home team partners, Green Tree Mortgage. How much do you qualify for? Ask Deanne now at mortgagemom.net. All right, welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD, all positive all the time. So where are we at, Deanne? Mark, we are up to our topic of the day, which is lessons learned from lockdown, black swans, gray swans, and real estate. Yeah, I, this is interesting. I never heard the term black swans, gray swans Me in neither. any kind of economic thing. But last spring, the world went through this lockdown. As a result, the economy wallowed. 
in economic molasses, as great many companies are still feeling the effect today, and some of them aren't around because of what happened with the shutdown. Doubtless you heard the platitudes that we're living in unparalleled times, the new normal, the world is a different place, all the stuff the media talks about. And business owners have cliches and tendencies to take one or more frantic senses of the meaning. People require food, shelter, companionship, sleep, but businesses rely on cash flow. And without it, they wither and die. During the scant months of last spring, a great many businesses found themselves out in the cold. Like 35% of restaurants in Philly closed. Right. We faced the same conditions, but other ones made it through and some thrived. Like my real estate classes, we thrived. We got a rural approval. I teach statewide. I got people taking my courses from all over the country. So I was on the, it actually helped me. I grew. But the black and the gray swans, I never heard this before. If we're honest with ourselves, we should have seen this coming. Global pandemics are always distant, distinct possibilities. They've happened before. They're going to happen again. Yet they're <clears throat> relatively infrequent. And because of this, they tend to catch the market by surprise. Eco economists refer to predictable, rare, tumultuous earthquakes like COVID-19 as gray swan events. I never heard this before. In contrast, completely unforeseen like earthquakes are known as black swans. You ever hear this before? Never. I never heard an economist use these terms. I would argue that COVID-19 was a gray swan. We probably should or should have predicted or known something like this was possible. Conversely, the economic shutdown was a great example of a black swan. Who would have predicted that America, the land of the free, home of the brave, would mandate closings? I would have never thought they did that. Never. So never. We couldn't, so we couldn't control the economic sh shutdown. But distinguishing between what we could and what we couldn't control, we were able to shake off the molasses and move forward. Lean into the chaos. While we did make short-term adjustments to our office hours or we shut down completely, we all ended up doing more work during the heat of the pandemic than ever before. And we reaped the rewards as a result. That is something that often is ignored about swans. When a big event happens, like a bomb drop, market crash, hurricane rolls in, sectors experience exponential growth. Everyone is affected equally, good or bad. Big events make waves. If you have the wherewithal to hang onto the riff, you might just find that there is more room and opportunity once the storms pass. So you take calculated risk. Finally, you need to know when to take a calculated risk. So when the lockdown hit, we made company-wide decisions about doubling down, getting a role approved, offering classes statewide. It worked for me. Sure it and, did. And some of the builders actually bought more, built more houses in the fall and spring of summer of 19, which made massive dividends. The key to the risk is the calculation. Every gray squan can be uh, mitigated with enough forethought. For instance, the lumber prices have been skyrocketing like we've been talking about. And some are struggling, but the increased cost of materials are measurable elements. Something that happens frequently is something that can be accounted for. We had assurances on the lumber in 2020 because we cultivated 
relationships with National Lumbers. Like this one builder saw something coming and made sure he had supplies and made a ton of money. The point is that some events take you by a complete surprise. That's a black swan. But the others can can and should be prepared for gray swans. So as a business owner, you have to learn to prepare for things that you can change and accept things you cannot. It's been said that the unthinkable is inevitable, but that is unlikely and merely inconvenient. Entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs must learn the difference between the two. I never, ever heard an economist before use those terms. Those terms, I haven't either. And, you know, I don't have too much faith in economists and predictions <laughs> because, you know, some of the stuff that they told us before, there's already the doom and gloomers out there right now talking about the, the foreclosures and the REOs and all this stuff and the bubble. It's not going to happen. The economy's in great shape. So, But I thought that was a very interesting topic. It was. It was a good topic. That was great. All right, Mark, so we are up to our business segment with Asking Dr. A, and today our topic is re-engaging back into the workforce after COVID. Welcome, Dr. Dr. A. Dr. Adelson, how are you? I'm doing great. Hey, Mark, how are you? All right, so pick up where we left off from last week about re-engaging back. Well, this time what I want to do is I want to talk about two different techniques to to help re-engage somebody. One right. of those techniques is to actually think about redesigning the job itself. So having the person, when they come back, talk more specifically to them about what type of aspects of the job they really love and what types of aspects of the job they don't like as much. And, and what happens with the job redesign is to the extent that you can design a job or make minor changes that excite somebody and takes things off their plate that they can't stand, but they do anyhow, even if they do them well, is the extent to which people are going to want to get reengaged. They're going to want to come back to work. Because what you're doing is you're helping them restructure their life, and you're you're giving them a job that's a lot more fun. And uh, and you know what? That ties into, I was talking to somebody about Philadelphia's city city budget. I said, this is a good opportunity for you guys, because now you know what's really important and what's not. Right. You know, and, and you have an excuse now to actually ask. Okay? Make change. Right. And, and, and then be, be careful. If, if you're not going to make any changes, don't even ask the question. Okay? Right. But when they're asking, when, when you're asking the question and there are some things that you could modify, pursue them a little further in the discussion with the person. All right, and then talk with them about how it can be restructured. And then what you can do is you can actually talk to somebody else who you're also trying to re-engage and bring them back and say, hey, there are these type of aspects going on that, that somebody else really doesn't like to do anymore or doesn't want to do. Are these things that you, that you want to do yourself? And you can see from nonverbals as to whether, they, you know, whether they're, they're just saying yes or whether they actually mean yes. Because if they seem excited about it, well, you've got a win-win situation. You're taking something away from somebody that, that, that they don't want to do. You're giving it to somebody else who wants to do it. Okay, so you've re-engaged two people by, by doing that, and you're getting better performance. You're getting a much more satisfied staff person, and you're actually getting the work done. Because a lot of times what happens is people procrastinate and put off those things that either they don't do well or they don't like to do. And they'll yeah, do the other things instead. 
and and, and by it and and you know, like the S and C personalities that you talk about, you ask kind of questions like that. I that's what I'm I do at my teachers' meetings, and they come up with great ideas. It's incredible. It's incredible yeah. what some people will share with you if you just ask. Ask. Right? I, I, I always I say know. from a sales perspective, if you don't ask, you'll never get. Okay, That's so right. it's the same thing with communication. It's the same thing with working with people. If you don't ask, you're not gonna you're not gonna get what you need to know, and you, you're gonna have a hard time restructuring. The last thing you want to do is to restructure somebody's job without getting their involvement. And a lot of organizations do that. They redo the job description. They don't even ask the person whose job it is. They they hand it to them, and it's kind of like, where the heck did this come from? Yeah, like that movie, The Office, where where, where the guy went in and just said, you know, like, this job really sucks. I don't want to do these reports. And then they found out that a lot of that stuff was useless. Right, right. All right, so let's let's continue this. We will, because I want to talk about the motives next time, to, to how to use the motives to re-engage people. All right, very good. Tell everybody how to get a hold of Dr. Abelson. It's real easy. Just www.abelson.net. Make sure you do the net. All right, very good, doctor. We'll talk to you next week. Looking we forward to it. We hope the Sixers are going to do the net. <laughs> ah, that would be awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. A. All right, if you have any questions, you can email them to Mark at 8029 at Comcast.net or give him a call at 267-266-5501. You can email me at Deanne Katsaris at Comcast.net or give me a call at 609-605-7153. And a special thanks to all of our listeners and our sponsors and Dr. Abelson with this great topic about reengaging, which is really good. And all of our listeners that tune in every Saturday at 1 o'clock here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. With that, have a great week. I'm Mark Cumberland. I'm Deanne Katsaris, your mortgage mom. You've been listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. All, all positive, positive. All, all the, the time. time. Thanks for listening to Good News in Real Estate, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Krause at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded.